0: Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It's Monday, November the 21st, 2022, and we are here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I am Jonathan Hendrickson, the host of the podcast for today, at least. And um, and I am joined, as always, with the rest of the pastoral staff here at Rosa Sharon. That's Jeremiah Custer, Blake Flincham, and Jeff McCarthy. And uh, we're all here together uh, at least one more time here to... Uh, discuss the Sunday sermon, which actually was my last sermon at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. It's uh, and uh, as such, I decided to preach on what I would call um, my life verse, or my you know, if everybody has sort of a life verse that they, or a lot of people have a life verse. Certainly, pastors do. I think that you point to and you say, "Okay, this is this is sort of a verse that that and that I would say is my." Um, not necessarily even my favorite verse, but just a verse that sort of encapsulates the things that I that I believe as a minister and things, and um, and so I'm very passionate about Christian apologetics. Um, that's you know giving a defense for why you believe what you believe. Um, I believe that's really important. I think it's important, just as important as theology, which is telling us what we believe. I think apologetics are just as important um, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and so apologetics really can be a a very good tool for the Christian, and we're commanded to do just that uh, by Scripture. So, um, uh, and in addition to that, you've uh, this particular two, these particular two verses in First Peter three fifteen and sixteen not only sort of impel us to give a defense um, and give a reason for for the hope that we have. What it talks about the hope that we have; it's referencing it as hope. And it also talks about the fact that we have to honor the Messiah as Lord in our hearts, and it also talks about the how the manner in which we're supposed to present that truth. And so I think um, that's that verse. That's reason why that verse sort of is my life verse. Actually, before I go any further, we'll talk about the message, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. But uh, this is a good opportunity to do this. So I'm going to do it. You know, I didn't even prep you for it, so this will be fun. Mm. Uh, if I was going to ask you your life verses, what are your what are your verses that you would say? Okay, this is the verse that I'm probably this is the verse I would point to. This is my life verse.
1: I'll go ahead and go. Yeah, all right. All right. Go, <laughs> so go, go, mine go is uh, Mark ten forty five. For the Son of Man didn't come to the world to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Okay, and right. one I just love it because I just I just want to serve Jesus, and that and just kind of go after the example that He did was serve us, and just serve Him back. So that's a, I think that verse kind of encapsulates everything that I just, I just love. Awesome. Jeremiah, do you have one?
2: Yeah, it's Galatians 2.20 and 21. But really, it's just 2.20. But uh, 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives, me, lives in me. Mm. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then 21, I found later in life, because you ignore it when you're young, I guess. But uh, 21 says, For if righteousness oh, could one. be obtained
0: through the law, then Christ died, died for, for nothing. Mm. Yeah, I love that verse. And those two verses are really good verses. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right, Jeff, you got one? Yeah, well,
3: uh, from a personal, like the way I try to live my life is Proverbs 18, 24. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, mm. which is basically... Try to be a friend. Try to befriend people, but then I always point them to the one that's going to stick closer than a brother, which right. is Jesus Christ, of course. Yeah. And I guess um, when we were thinking about the passion thing, I was going to do that—the uh, verse about do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. So I think um, sharing sharing the gospel mm-hmm. because I do it all the time. I mean, because uh, that's how I came to know Christ, and then like all my funerals, kind of like everything, I always make sure. I'm going to try to share the gospel in some way uh, to do that work of evangelism because there's all kind of works we can do in the church, but that's really one of the most important ones um, that we do because. You can't really have discipleship unless you have evangelism, but you can't really do evangelism without discipleship. So it's all kind of mixed together there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so doing evangelism is doing discipleship if you do it properly and mm-hmm. in the right way. So yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I think. I think evangelism has to be a part of discipleship. Um, I don't think those two things are separate. Separate, yes, yeah, like at the chicken all. Chicken under the egg, kind of right. Thing. You both. know, we, I think we talked about this at Jeremiah's ordination, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about it at length about uh, then, and but I see it as, and I think you called evangelism pre discipleship. Um, mm. I, I, I think it is, I think it's you disciple someone to the point of conversion and then you disciple them afterwards, too. Yeah. I think, the, I think there's discipleship. I think when you're, um, when you're, when you take time to pour into anybody and point them towards Jesus, whether that's in an evangelistic way or you're just you know I, I, I just um, a couple of weeks ago I had a conversation with a guy that is um, that's you know agnostic right and and I'm, I'm having a deep conversation with him and we didn't talk about the gospel but I was trying to point him towards truth and mm. pointing towards towards what a, you know a, a ways to find truth and even that so I'm not I'm not specifically you know I'm not hammering this guy over the head with the gospel and saying okay you know, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven? You know, like like we think of what an evangelist does. But what I'm doing is I'm discipling him. Yeah, right? yeah, all or, that. Right.
3: Like I include all that in, when I think about being evangelistic, <clears throat> I include all of that in there. Yeah. Because uh, it's just basically, I go on the scale model where I'm just yeah. trying to get the person one step closer. Well, and, Instead and, of making them go two steps back. Right. And, I, and you know then that, but you do have to, when the, when the point's ready and you're right, and you get this, the Holy Spirit prompts you, then you do ask the question to try to see if they Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Right? I think I think there's a point but, yeah, so you really have that conversation. You don't, I don't really come right up to the commitment question unless it's one of those rare, rare, rare situations where, you know, somehow or another, God prompts you to talk to someone, you know, at an airport or whatever. Right. Uh, but most of the time, it's people you have some kind of connection with somewhere. Or they're connected to the church. And in the situation that you're in, maybe it is a death or somebody in the hospital or something. Those, then, you look for the ways to kind of get into that that discussion, right?
0: Well, and, and what you're saying there, I think, Which is just kind of go. Well, that's answer. what I was going to yeah. say. Is right. Is, is, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what I was about just to say. Being this actually goes just being ready. Right. Yeah. It, this goes right to the message from yeah. yesterday, which you know, in this in this particular passage in First Peter three, because what, because what you're talking about is being is being ready. Um, always being ready with an answer for anyone who would ask you for a reason for the hope that you yes. have, and so those are those are those conversations that we're talking about. Yes. Whether that's an airport conversation or whether it's a conversation with somebody you've been talking to for a while. Yes. Whenever those Whenever those moments come up and someone is asking questions that that the way I the way I read this is is whenever somebody is asking me questions that are big big picture questions, meaning of life type mm. questions, or open the door towards towards, you know, meaning of life type things, that is an open door, an open open opportunity to share truth. Naturally,
3: you're not like, you don't come, you don't come in with this whole, in your mind thinking, uh, whatever they say, I'm going to find a way to twist it
0: around. No. It's a natural
3: thing. I don't do that. Which is what I do too, is like, if it naturally comes up or something's sad or mentioned, then that that can kind of, You know,
0: that's like um, when I, when uh, I was, uh, when we went to Armenia uh, on the air, on the flight from uh, Paris to, to Armenia, to Yerevan, I got seated uh, away from my group and I was, I was seated next to a couple from California who were on their way to Armenia. He, he was an Armenian, uh, his father was an Armenian priest in an Armenian church. And, um, you know, most of the time, these days anyway, if you can see, it's like next to somebody in the in the airplane. Everybody got AirPods. Everybody's got earbuds. Oh yeah, yeah And yeah. we just pop those. in. Everybody wants to avoid. Yeah. everyone. and we, you know, and it's like, leave me alone. I'm in my <laughs> isolation chamber. And I'll be honest, I do
1: the same thing. <laughs> I'm an extrovert, and I don't want to talk to people on an airplane. I I, I just that's not my that's not my. Well, thing. I was just flying back from Oklahoma, and that's the case. It is so hard to talk to somebody on an airplane. Yeah, it just
0: it, it you know there's some, there's people who do it naturally, and I see it happen all the time. And I just. I don't know. We, we we live in We live in a in a culture that that values privacy. Uh, it, it's funny. We value privacy in person in in person relationships, but you know, then we make our lives non private. That's that's another story though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I I am on the plane with these people, and uh, she just sort of became a sort of chatty Kathy and was just wanting to talk talk me up, and uh, so. Um, you know, she she asked what we were doing when why I was going to Armenia, and I'm like, well, okay, I'll just be honest with you and tell you why I'm going to Armenia. And so that opened the door, and the next thing you know, she's asking me, well, what's the difference between what you you know what you believe in and, yeah, and so what i mean? To... Like, and, and I'm like, okay, well, let's great. go, because you know, so that's now that's
3: definitely a God a God moment. Yeah, so now yeah, so now
0: I'm like, well, okay, I'm gonna take this opportunity just to start from the beginning and tell you what the gospel is. Yeah. You know, and so. Um, so yeah that, that's what you know that's that, that, that that's really what this I think that's what this verse is about and I think that's the sort of approach you're talking about as well I guess to add to uh, this verse and I've said it before if I if you ask me you know my favorite I've told you before my favorite book of the Bible is Philippians Is uh, not even close mm-hmm. Philippians is my very favorite book of the Bible and my favorite chapter in that in that book so my favorite chapter in the Bible is Philippians 2 um, and and uh, so if I if I were to pick a full passage, it would be Philippians 2. and mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. I guess that's, that's that awesome Jeremiah Christological hymn in the middle of it. Uh, talks about we've we, only like preached or referenced it about seventy two times this year. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I mentioned <laughs> it so much. Passage. Actually, guys, I'm getting ready to it, at the beginning of the year. I'm preaching all the way through Philippians. Philippians <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I, I'm, I'm I'm preaching right through the book of Philippians that's at good. Crossroads. So, um, but yeah, that's. Um, because, I well, for, for, for two reasons actually on that, because mm-hmm. there it is my favorite book of the Bible, but nowhere else does Paul talk about being partners in the gospel more than he talks oh, yeah. about it mm-hmm. in Philippians, and um, I think that's and a good to way, way to set a tone with you. Yeah, right? it's a great way you're to just set. You're not a
3: here as a hired that's hand or a contract worker. You're you're a partner, partner in the for gospel. Let's work yeah. together. Yeah. So we're going to
0: look and see what it means to be partners in the gospel. But let's talk about yesterday's message because you guys are ready to talk about that and. And uh, I, I, I will happily talk about these two verses for an hour with you because I love these verses. Um, um, so I'll just read them. But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Um, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. However, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. I didn't mention this yesterday, fellas, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now. Um, and I actually meant to mention this, and you know how it is. You just you, mm. you got so much that you're already thinking on, you just forget. But there's a but there at the beginning of this. But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. And you're like, well, why is there a but there? And you have to go backwards to verse 14, which I didn't do yesterday. But when you go backwards and you look at what Peter is saying, he's like, I know you're suffering. Um, you know, you're suffering for righteousness sake, basically, or, or you, that's what you should suffer for. But when you suffer, don't be afraid like everybody else is. Don't, you, you don't need to fear what everybody else fears, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. So the, 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 this, these verses are coming in the context, and I did mention this, these verses are coming in the context of a people group who are suffering for their their uh, suffering as exiles, suffering as foreigners, suffering as strangers in a strange in a strange land? Mm-hmm. They've been forced out of their homes because most of these are probably from the dispersion. He's writing to those from the dispersion, right? Well, what is that? Well, that's where they were dispersed out of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. right? Out of their homes into these areas, which are now, and I didn't mention this, are now like modern day Turkey. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty far flung from Jerusalem when mm-hmm. you look at a map. They, they, you know, we're talking about areas that are borderline with the Black Sea. Um, so they they were going into these Gentile areas where there probably were very few synagogues, very few temples anyway. But but they're not even going as Jewish people now. Mm-hmm. Now they're going as Christians, mm-hmm. people who are ridiculed for their beliefs, people who have no friends on either side of the fence. They, they, there's there's no friends in in the Jewish circle and there's no friends in the Gentile circle and, the, and the, the, the people who are worshiping this pantheon of Roman gods. And so they feel completely alienated, right? And, and it's to those people that Peter is Peter's not saying, okay, and it's funny, you know, you, you, you think about it today, if, if you had a people group or if you, you knew there was a group of Christians in an area, and we have this happen, that where they're, they're foreigners and strangers in that land. We, we sometimes tell people, okay, look, you gotta really be careful how you tread here, right? You, you, you need to be quiet. <laughs> you don't need to, don't, don't talk about your faith. Um, you, know, uh, you know, you just, just watch where you tread, right? But Peter doesn't say that. Peter doesn't say watch where you tread. Peter doesn't say, uh, be careful who you're talking to. Peter says, be ready. Peter says, be ready. Now, he doesn't say go out there and get a megaphone and start blasting, you know. And I don't think Peter would be an advocate of going into these Middle Eastern countries with a megaphone and, and, you know, proclaiming Christianity. But what he would say is, you know, don't hide who you are, be ready. And, and you need to be ready in these three areas. And that's sort of what I, what I did yesterday. Um, so we'll talk about each one of those if you'd like, and we can kind of just get into it. But um, the first one is pretty simple. It's, but honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. And so, um, you know, we need to be ready in Jesus um, and, you know, the, the, because when you think about honoring the Messiah as Lord in your hearts, um, that, that, you know, I, I broke that down into two ways that you do that. One is that you trust him for salvation. Um, and the other is that that you, <clears throat> you make him Lord in your life and you basically live your life to serve him. He's now your King, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so that means then, Jeremiah, it means that like the way I see it is if Jesus is the king of my life, then I I don't, I mean, do I, okay, so do I still have say in what I'm going to do? Does he give me the the leeway to say, okay, I I, I, want to do this, or is it just I have to do exactly what he says and nothing else? Does, Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, it's tough that's why I like to use like master, lord and king, all of which are words we hate as Americans. As millennials. Just yeah. say it just say it yeah. millennials. As, <laughs> as millennials, like,
0: <laughs> you hate authority. It's okay. Well, I mean
2: <laughs> as soon as you say master, it has negative connotations. No one talks about Lord. That's nope. true. I mean but master
1: No, oh, well no any yeah.
2: American should should right. kinda of throw up uh a barrier between that word but master slave language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like we don't like those terms, so knowing what it means, um, but I think you, you almost have to think of it in terms of like a feudalistic society or a a kingdom mm-hmm. where the king they would call them the sovereign ruler. Does that mean you can't go against the king's word? Well sure, but it's gonna get back to the king eventually. Mm-hmm. And in Christianity, I think we maybe should live like that. Not, 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 not in the spirit of fear or... Like, oh no, the king's gonna find out or whatever. Right. But knowing that this sovereign ruler, he knows all of your actions, knows what you do. He's omniscient, right? That's a little bit different
0: than the king. In, in but, the
2: king. Uh, and I think that's why, like, Paul and others, I know we want to stick on Peter for this sermon, but. That's all right. Uh, you can use Paul in. He's, he's good like, too. Like, calls us soldiers. Right. So imagine being under a king. You're a soldier, Mm -hmm. and then you choose to not do what the king says as a soldier. Yeah. Even if you know that that's going to lead to your death. Yeah. You still, in that society, you follow the king because you believe it's what's for the, I don't want to say greater good, but it's for the good of the country. It's for the good of the people. You think that the king has your best interest at heart, or at least the kingdom best interest at heart right and so I think when you think in those kind of terms you realize oh I'm a I'm a tool but I get to serve the master but we also know and this is hard to, to understand too we know that we're we're fighting on the winning side and that the reward is so much greater than anything this life has to offer sure and so serving the king while that doesn't grant you salvation but serving the king you're working because of salvation, you're working in salvation, not for salvation. and mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's kind of a weird thing and and something I'll be honest i I do struggle with like am I submitting under Christ's lordship just like out of duty or obligation uh-huh. or am I surrendering under Christ's lordship because he really is Lord master of my life <clears throat> and i I what he has for me, I see, believe to be good,
0: and see, I think there's a distinction to be made there, right? Yeah, and and and, and I wonder, um, you know, I think I think there's some I think I think there are Christians probably on both sides of that fence, quite frankly. I think that there are some who think that you know, you do this out of obligation, you do this because it's obligatory, and and that's that's just it, you know, God said it, so that's what you do. Um, and and perhaps we should look at it that way, I don't know, I mean, you know. It, he is sovereign God. It, it seems. It seems if he tells me to go do something and I don't do it, that um, you know, because I've got free will or whatever, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to go risk my life. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, it, it does seem like you know that's. It would be one thing to do it to a king. It's another thing entirely to do it to the omniscient, omnipresent, uh, you know, uh, you know, omnipotent God.
1: You know what yeah. I'm saying, Blake? Yeah. Because I mean, like. So say you're like in the cabinet of the president or something. and right. There's a presidential order or for a governor. There's a you know an executive order or something like. By law, you can't go against that. Mm-hmm. And we would look at that and be like, no, absolutely not. You wouldn't go against that because we would feel the repercussions from that. You know, mm-hmm. imprisonment, whatever that would look like. But. With God, who is so much more than a president or an earthly ruler, yeah. you know this omniscient, you know, all powerful God, we almost don't feel. It's almost like we don't feel the, we don't feel the need to follow it as much sometimes, which is really, really ironic if you think about it. So yeah. no, I totally see where you're getting at with, with that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean again it's 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 the it's the the difference between cuz if i if i'm going against the president if i'm on a presidential cabinet and i and the president says to go do something and i'm saying no it's because at some level i don't trust it right right like i'm saying i don't i i'm not going to do this because i don't trust it i don't think either a i don't think it'll work or b i don't trust that you have my best interest at heart you're you're putting me in the line of fire and i don't want to be right or C, I think that you're, I think you're wrong. You know, I think yeah. you're doing something wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: And Jeff, when we're talking about God, none of those things should apply because God's not going to do anything wrong, and God's going to only do those things which are effective, and God's always got our best interest at heart ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so it seems as though there, we have no real reason to say no to Him.
3: Right, and and Peter is a classic. And I think you mentioned in your sermon, too, it took him a while to get to this verse. Oh, yeah. Because he wasn't always ready. No, he wasn't. And, um, you know, the first time Peter actually made that profession of faith uh, and said Jesus was the Messiah, and he said, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. Well, and then Jesus tells him, but don't tell anyone. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so he's like so I think I think probably in their hearts they knew who he was but they couldn't tell anybody at that time even if they wanted to because yeah. Christ didn't it wasn't time for them to do that but then when right. the time came for him to do that yeah, he betrayed him you know he yeah. wasn't really ready Yeah. so and the people receiving this letter know it's coming from Peter and they should know the stories and they should know the background and everything so now Peter's showing that he this was something that he had to come to terms with to trust the Lord in his heart so that he would be ready. Yeah. And then after uh, Pentecost, we see that he was ready and when they told him you can't preach in that name anymore, and they're like, you know, we can't obey We can't obey government. We have to obey God. We, we can't not preach in this name anymore. Right. So, right. so I think um, uh, knowing that kind of gives us the same thing that we're gonna make mistakes and we're not always gonna be ready. We're, we're not always gonna be trusting the Lord in our hearts like we should. But that's okay. Yeah. God can still use us in a mighty way. Yeah. And I think Peter was just trying to encourage these people that, yeah, he messed up. He made mistakes. But you don't have to make the same mistakes I did. Kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. so I think that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of interesting. It says, honor him in your hearts because, um, you know, that's the that inward uh, relationship, that intimate relationship that all of us have with Jesus. It's all the same, but it's all different too, because mm-hmm. uh, we all have different needs, different wants, different desires, different understandings, but but we still all have that same intimate relationship. Right, it's like, right. for the three guys here that are married, we all have a personal intimate relationship with our wife, and we can relate to that, but it's all different too, yeah. because they have different personalities and everything. So, um, I, And so if, if, um, if I have the Lord in my heart and through that overflow of that relationship with Him, Because the the idea, which in the second point we're going to get to, is is like um, always be ready for those that ask. So in other words, they see something different in your life. What is the difference? For him, he's saying, make the difference, your relationship with Christ, this first point of yours. If they see that, that there's something different about you, you're living your life differently, you have a different attitude, um, it's because out of that overflow then, they're going to ask you, hey, there's something different. Now, you, the lady on the plane was like, she wasn't personally looking at you as a different person, but, but her religious background compared to your relationship
0: background. Right, right.
3: What's the difference here? Right. You were able to still give that answer. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, 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 and to your point, I think that the reason why Peter starts here is because when we set apart the Messiah as Lord in our hearts— we are going to live different lives. Mm-hmm. We're living lives that are different and set apart from the rest of the world. And that's, you know, it's the thing I, I brought up And when he says, you know, now you are, he says, God is your king, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, your king. Uh, let's see. Where is it? I'm sorry. It's in here. Uh, he is our king because we know this is not our home country anymore. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about, you know, Jesus is your king. You are a royal priesthood. You are a people called after Him. He is your King, because this is not your home country any longer. Not literally, it's not your home country because you're living in places you didn't live before. But this world is no longer your home right. country. Even
3: the promised land is not their home country. Right.
0: This is, so, so you. So he says, "I urge you as strangers and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you." And and to this point, this is where I kind of brought out the example. You know. With with um, with how COVID affected my relationship with my wife, you know, and and how you know we have to be sacrificial in the way in which we're set apart. There are times where I, there are things that I want to do, Jeremiah. There are things that are comfortable for me to do, but I know that to do them will compromise the message. Does that make sense? Yeah. And 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 I think that the problem is is that we forget that and we think well, the message is strong enough that even if I go and do this, it's not going to compromise the message. Because the message is so good. The message is so strong. Truth is truth. And so even if I go and and do this one thing, it's not really going to compromise it. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? And so so then it's okay for me to, quote, get in bed with the world and not worry about whether it compromises it.
2: Yeah, and I think... um two reasons why i like this verse and why i like where you started with this verse be ready in jesus but then it it talks about that hope that is within you Mm -hmm. and so basically the first kind of point peter wants you to get is hey make sure that your hope your true lasting ending hope Mm -hmm. is in jesus Mm -hmm. right because when it comes time when someone is asking for the hope that's within you or when it comes time for you to share with your kids, like, hey, why is it that you get out of bed every morning? Why do you show such optimism in times of, like, immense struggle? And just those types of things, like this hope. What you're going to do is you're going to share... Your greatest hope in life, mm-hmm. and I think Peter wants you to make sure that that is Jesus. Right. If there's a greater hope, if if you have otherworldly things that you're pursuing, if you if you find your greatest hope, or or you get out of bed in the morning for A, B, C, or whatever, whether whether it's your job or for mm-hmm. the next paycheck or for the weekend or whatever it may be. Well, when someone comes to you and asks you about your greatest hope, you're not going to talk about Jesus. Right. You're going to share what you think is the greatest hope. Yeah. yeah, And ultimately, if it's anything other than Jesus, it's just false hope. Yeah. It's just this illusion that you have bought into. And I think that fits into your illustration, your COVID illustration. Mm -hmm. Like, like you could... uh, Enjoy all the pleasures of right. your marriage. Right. Right? But ultimately, your greatest hope for your marriage lies deeper than that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, And your greatest hope for the message lies deeper than that. Right. And so this hope that's within us should flow out every area of our life. Like, mm-hmm. it, it should kind of be an overarching, like, priority one where everything else flows from that, like, webs down uh, from this this hope that's within you, and so I think that's where Peter wants you to to see. And I think you did a great job starting your message here, talking about this hope. Like, be ready in Jesus. Make sure make sure you get this right, or everything else is not going to flow correctly. Right. It's going to be kind of discombobulated, and you're going to be.
0: How can you share what you know if you don't know? You know, if you don't yeah, know yeah, something, yeah. right? And how can you? You're going to share something, right? I really believe that you'll right. share something. It'll just be false hope, right? And, and 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 how can you love as you have been loved if you if you haven't experienced that first? So like, yeah, it has to start. It has to start. You're right with Jesus, and 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 Peter makes note, but you know Peter knew that too. Um, you know, it, it's why he says, but but uh, but honor the Messiah. He's talking about Christ there as Lord in your heart. So you get that right first, mm-hmm. and then out of that, and and I'll tell you, I think that. Blake, there are times where even apologists get this wrong because what they do is they go into these d- debates they go into these discussions they have with people and their hearts aren't in the right spot they haven't honored the messiah's lord in their heart they've not spent any time with him in the word they're not spending time with him in prayer their relationship with jesus is not what it you know and then they go in trying to make a difference in people's life. you can't make a difference like that does that make sense i mean you you, you have to be in good relationship with, with him, to, in order for you to in order for that hope that J, Jeremiah was just talking about to be to be real.
1: Yeah, and if you're if you're defending the faith, um, say you are an apologist that and you know you're going up against a very well known um, critical scholar of like the New Testament or uh, you know the Old Testament or somebody who's very uh, iffy towards Christianity. Loving God and loving neighbors got to be the primary reason that you're doing this, yeah. So that the gospel can be known can be known in a loving way, um, not to go win an argument, but the ho- ultimate thing. We can think about winning arguments so much with like defending the faith. It's like, mm-hmm. well, let me prove you wrong here. Let me prove you wrong here. When really, we should be pushing them. At re- reframing that in our minds more in a way of, let me push you towards Jesus closer. Yeah. And let me show you the one who has the answers to your questions and who will ultimately change your life because I can't change it. Mm-hmm. You know, no Christian can change it, but God can change it. and He can use our message, but doing it out of love, I think would be the best thing for... I really like, with, I like the way you phrase that. that. I like the way you phrase that because... Um,
0: you're basically saying what peter is doing here is he's creating a framework in which we can do apologetics by loving god first right yeah but also it has to also be within that 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 framework of loving people and that's what he does on either end of this being ready to give a defense he says love god first right beyond but set the messiah apart as lord in your hearts right and also do it with gentleness and respect right so it creates that framework in which we should do apologetics. Yeah, and and, 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 and and that that's a really good point, Blake. Because, I again, I think if if you hang around apologists, and, like, I go to an apologetics conference every year, and one of the things that they talk about there is there's a lot of apologists who... It's it's very much, Jeff, an academic exercise. Mm-hmm. And it should be academic. And we do need to ready our minds with truth. We'll talk about that in just a sec. but But at the same time... Um, if you are if you're trying to do apologetics as strictly an academic exercise and you're not spending any time loving God right and loving people then that academic exercise is 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 useless it's it's like Paul said it's like that banging gong right mm-hmm. a banging symbol because you're doing it without love love on either side loving God and loving people
3: yeah and so uh, it's the same way as the 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 New testament scholar that happens to be a an atheist or doesn't believe everything they're doing is an academic pursuit, mm-hmm. but there's 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 no. Um, they can make arguments, they can win arguments, they can make great points and all. But what do they have? I mean, what what do they have after after it's all said and done? Mm-hmm. The, all they have is their career, and their accolades, and their books, and everything they've written. Right, and it's all empty. Yeah, you know. They could gain the whole world but lose their soul. Mm. And so we come from a different approach in that we know that um eternity's at stake. And I think that's why he says, you know, use the with meekness and fear, the the to know that this is just not a conversation that happens with somebody, but there is a end result to this conversation right. some way. Yeah. And that person's either gonna be affected t- to the good or to the bad based on my approach and how i'm I'm reaching trying to reach somebody right and so um it just helps us to be mindful of that because that when i was when i was unsaved before i became a christian you know i visited a couple of churches and all and the people came visiting my house and they asked me all the questions and i gave them all the right answers because i knew all the right answers plus you now i knew if i told them the right answers they wanted to hear they'd leave me alone right So even though I had the knowledge and everything, it wasn't real life-changing transformational knowledge. So we're not just in the knowledge business. We're not just trying to teach facts and knowledge. We're trying to, uh, we're not doing it for information. We're doing it for transformation. We always gotta keep that in mind too, that hey, I may have the most (laughs) important (laughs) knowledge in the world or the best information I could find at my fingertips, but if I'm not used to, it to try to transform my own life personally through those, what you were talking about, having that uh, quiet time and all that, but also trying to transform someone else's life, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think in the debates, um, in the academic debates and all, uh, you can tell when the the ones that are doing academic versus academic, but you can also tell the ones that are trying to do transformation in, in the academic debate. And to me, those are the ones that that's, tend to be more genuine, and and even if people are skeptics or on the other side, it has to make them kind of stop and, and kind of um, uh, think about what they're saying. And we all go back to Penn you know, Penn Teller about uh, right about you know if how would you how much would you have to hate somebody then not, to not tell them that you really them believed them. it? Yeah. And I think that that is really a good apologetic from the other end of saying, you guys need to be looking at this from a different direction. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what Peter's saying here.
0: It's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, to to sort of um um expound on something you said a minute ago, I, I've I've always heard that the, the longest distance in the world is the the, the distance between the head mm-hmm. and the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what twelve the inches, inches or eighteen inches, whatever inches or whatever it is, you know, like a like I can't remember exactly how many inches, and I haven't <laughs> measured. But yeah, depends on how big your head is. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm measuring a pastor. Then, you know? <laughs> but anyway, it's, but yeah, the idea being though, the <laughs> idea being that it's very difficult to sometimes get people to go to transfer that, that the knowledge that they have in their mind to heart knowledge, knowledge that they, they they've applied into their lives. Um, because there's a lot of people who have all the right answers or know all the right answers, but just haven't applied those answers. And
3: we've all had uh, people we've talked to throughout the years in ministry, and if you haven't done it yet, you will, where you're. You have those people. That... that is,
0: by the way, the most frustrating conversation you can have. Yes. The most frustrating conversation you can have as a pastor or as an evangelist, as somebody who's trying to make a disciple, is the one where. The person knows knows the gospel, believes the gospel, mm-hmm. but refuses to apply the gospel. Right. Hadn't, hadn't and it, that, it's that, like that a, it's it's a very difficult and frustrating because they wanting
3: more information, more information, more information, more information. Instead of saying, "Do something with the information," you got let it transform your life.
0: I, I had a guy, and as far as I know, I think he I think he died lost, mm. but he knew. Yeah. Like he listened. This guy listened to gospel music. He 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 knew the gospel. He knew all the all all the things, and I, I he believed it. But he said he wasn't ready. Yeah. And, I, dude, I just what do you say to that Jeremiah? What what do you say to someone who says I've got all the I I know what I need to do. I'm just not ready to do it. I'm not ready to submit and it really became for him it was a submission yeah. issue yeah. and there's not, that is a frustrating place to be in because I would far more, i'd far rather be talking to somebody who just doesn't know the answers and i can give them the answers and then they're like oh that's truth yeah i'm gonna, i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and buy into that but for someone to know the truth and then just refuse to acknowledge it personally is frustrating man
2: Yeah, it's tough. And uh, so we go back to that lordship thing or master or king. Like, if if we have these struggles, um, like understanding what lordship means and whether I should submit, just imagine someone who who hasn't made him their lord. They're looking at it from the outside like, oh, I don't want that. Like, right now, I can do whatever I want. And I think what, what I want is what's best for me. And so... They have that, like, messed, not messed up, but faulty perception. And we, we can make fun of millennials, right, when we talk about authority. <laughs>
0: I was kidding, by the way. No, yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> it,
2: it's, it's important to, to know this about millennials. So millennials, because we all believe, right, like with, with Blake's example of the president, um, and you're in the cabinet or whatever, president gives a presidential order, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. As a Christian we would say no you don't mm-hmm. because there might be a higher authority
1: right, right than the
2: president right so really what you what what millennials I think cry is I don't have to listen to you there's a higher authority mm-hmm. unfortunately for your example and for most millennials the higher authority is themselves yeah is mm-hmm. myself yeah I've learned, I've heard, I've listened to, I, I saw on. Mm-hmm. This is the right answer. I don't have to listen to my boss or I don't have to listen to my pastor or my mom and dad, right? Like, Because I've found and, and I've got my own worldview and I'm final authority. Mm-hmm. And I know I've went on like a rabbit trail here. But uh, to be honest with you, the the person who knows everything and just doesn't even believes it, like in their head, believes it. Mm-hmm. There's not much else we can do except to love them and show them show them that true hope. Yeah, because I mean, you got to ask them. All right, what's your hope? And they may die just not having hope. Yeah. And I think most of our world will die without having oh. true lasting hope. That's sad. It's tough for us to hear.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, we're on the winning side, and I think sometimes because we're on the winning side, because we have so much hope, it's easy for us to be like, well, you made your bed, lie in it or whatever. Yeah. Like, I've got all the hope over here. Right. It's still our job to tell them and to show them, the, like, there's real hope out there. Yeah. There's real love out there. Um. And so there's not much you could say to that person, but I think you can show that person more than you could say to that person.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but ultimately, you just got to know there will be some who will not, they will not submit to yeah. the Lordship of Christ. They will not accept this beautiful gift. Yeah. And I, that's just tough to, it's tough. I don't know why. But they just won't it's something. a tough
1: pill to swallow, especially yeah. when you love the person like so dearly and you've maybe invested a lot of time, spent time with them, you've done life together. I mean that is a hard pill to uh, hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, and, it, I mean, it was it was it was rough. Yeah. We we went and talked to this guy multiple times and just
0: and 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 loved on him i'm went and and he would pray with us and i it was it was the strangest relationship but the guy just would not
1: would not submit and i think with that you know i think it's so hard because we have this kind of mentality of just do it you know like just you know and you're trying to find i feel like if I'm in that scenario I'm going to try to be thinking of every single thing that I can do mm-hmm. when really being faithful is all I can do. Yeah. and yeah. all that I should do yeah. and do, you know just telling them in love but also reminding of the truth, you yeah. know the bad news of the good news of the gospel at that. But I actually I actually do like um what you said. I actually don't think it's a rabbit trail because like with millennials and their mindsets sometimes When you're doing apologetics, it's actually not a bad thing to know, like, demographics, to know the kind of psychology behind the people that you are reaching. Oh, for sure. Because that helps you do apologetics better. That helps you defend the faith a lot better. You need to know who your audience is. Right. So, like, if there's a, you you know, to know, like, the mindsets behind each and every group, you know, because, like, how I reach somebody like Jeff's age might be different than how I talk to somebody like your age, Jonathan, or your yeah. age, Jeremiah, you know. So that's um it's important to look at those like mindsets, see what generations can yeah. uh, you know, what factors might have played into their life. Yeah. So I, I actually don't consider it a rabbit trail honestly. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually I think it's actually really helpful too. Well, kind of and, talk and about. to you know, that's honestly what you're talking about
0: with the authority issue for for many, that's why that's why so many retreated into postmodernism. Because the the whole thing there was that okay, it's not that there is a higher authority. There's just no authority, mm-hmm. and and so if we can just eliminate authority entirely, then nobody has the nobody has the privileged position, and nobody can lord it over anybody else. And that's what the millennial kind of mindset was for a while was that okay, nobody has authority. I do think though, Jeremiah, to your point, that. Postmodernism has been replaced with a what a guy by the name of Greg uh, Tom Gilson has said is a modified polytheism, in which case there's all these little gods running around, and the, the by little god I mean like everybody thinks they're their own god, and so you're right. What happens is is no longer it's no longer there is no authority. It's that I am the authority, and not only am I the authority, but I am such an authority that you have to recognize whatever reality I am telling you is reality. And if you don't and accept it, and if you don't, then you're morally responsible for it. Right? I mean, that's, that's the kind of world we live in now to where everybody is a miniature God and has the ability to construe reality, however they want to construe it and force people to accept it. And, and so we do have now, I think you're right, the, the, the highest authority people are appealing to is themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so that's the, that's the world in which we have to be ready, as Peter said, to, to give a defense for the, for, um, to, to anyone who asks us for the reason, for the hope that's in us. But they're not, Jeff, to your point earlier, they're not going to ask us if they don't see hope to begin with. Mm-hmm. They're just not. And so, yeah. If we're again, if we're in bed with the world, that they, they don't see hope with us. And so, um, we have to live our lives in such a way that it's different enough to and attractive enough to warrant somebody's question about it. Mm-hmm. And then, whenever they whenever they question, we need to have our minds ready with truth uh, so that we can address that.
3: Yeah, and that goes back to just living out your faith each and every day in your sphere of influence, whatever that may be. Um, because in the past um, people did go to church people did try to make connections that way people were new in the community they did seek out um, those those areas at one time in American history
0: mm-hmm.
3: but today in American history it's not that way so if all people see then is you're going to a church and you're doing these good things and these good deeds but that's just like to them would be like, "Well, I don't have time to join a civic organization like a church and do all these good deeds unless there was something that was propelling them to do that." And so, if all, if your hope is just your church membership and your duty and your obligations and all that stuff, then what really hope are you sharing, sharing with them? Right, right. Well, like uh, Jeremiah
0: said, you're sharing a false hope. Yeah,
3: and so, uh, so so often then people. Uh, they, they try to win people to the church or a church lifestyle or or churchianity as opposed to winning people to Christ. Mm. Um, and that's the biggest frustration I guess we have, you know, as, as, as trying to equip the church to, to try to get people to understand and know that, yeah we would love our church to grow and be, be big and have lots of people coming and all that other stuff, but we're trying to build the kingdom mm, and building the kingdom right. may mean the person may not ever come to Rosa Sharon. Yeah, that's they right. They may go somewhere else, that's but right. that's okay too. Yep. As long as they're growing in their faith and they're trying to reach people. And um, so, um, you know, Jeremiah says, what what we went into is what you keep them. And so that helps us make sure we keep Christ central mm-hmm. and focused where, yeah, we, uh, if, if if somebody does come to our uh, church services or they're invited or they come to some event, we've got to make sure then they understand and know that, that it's not about all the stuff that goes on in a church the organization of the church but it's the organism, it's the life of the church we're yeah. trying to win them to which of course is is that life comes through Jesus Christ and so um, it's very frustrating because uh, it, it would be cool if everybody was still in that mindset of uh, you know it, the community was you were involved in the church you were involved in some civic group mm-hmm. and then you were involved in your uh, workplace um, and then and so uh, all those things kind of all and the school and everything kind of worked together and they are all on the same page mm-hmm. well that that you know that, that, that died a long time ago with black and white TV yeah um, right. and mm-hmm. so now we live where like y'all were saying people want to put their iPods on they don't want anybody to bother them. They don't even want a phone call, you know, and just if you text me, don't keep texting me back and that kind of thing. I mean, we just live in a society now where people are just all into themselves and into their cocoon and into their relationships they have. And um, they don't see that further need of... I mean, they want community. Yep. They, I mean, really, they do want community. Yes, yes. Uh, a lot of times they want it on their terms yes. but they do want community. and most people get want community community where um, it's all recipro- reciprocal or mm-hmm. uh, it's, I'll receive it, but I don't really want to give that much. but really they do want to give. yeah, but they want to make sure it's for a purpose and a reason and a greater
0: cause. Yeah.
3: And so we really have all the answers that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just how 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 we reach them and how we can get them involved. Uh, is the is the number one question in the world. I, you know, I went to that um, ordination and the young man is being ordained, he's actually, uh, his father and mother were missionaries to Croatia. So he's from Croatia. Mm-hmm. And now he's been living in America for about, uh, he's going to seminary. So uh, this is culture shock to him, but, but his dad, and he and his dad both are very pessimistic because they're like, they're seeing America as y'all are, y'all don't see where you're headed. I mean, it's bad, mm-hmm. but you're getting ready to become Europe, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, where you may have a church of 10 people in a city of a million people, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, He said, yeah. that's where we're headed, and they were very pessimistic, which kind of made me thinking about, well, where's the hope in them? Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we've got to still have the hope, and because like peter's like these people are going to go off somewhere and they're scattered they don't have family they don't have friends they don't have a temple they don't have a synagogue um, maybe they don't even have a job or means to take and then they could become very pessimistic Yeah. Like, for trusting in the lord and so if they're uh, gleaning somebody's field for some food and they're happy about it and they're appreciative of it then the guy that owns the field going to say you know why are you so happy? I mean you could have been in Jerusalem mm-hmm. you know in your own field and maybe he were you know maybe he was like the, a, a chief uh, ruler or something now he's gleaning in a field mm-hmm. uh, to survive
1: mm-hmm.
3: so um, you know I think we just bought into our culture so much and we kind of combined our culture with Christianity uh, in so, so many ways and so and then the politics kind of got, Melded in there too, that um, we have forgotten. Really, we're coming back to the first century, really. Yeah. In so many ways, and so uh, we just have to know that people need to—they need the Lord. And if we have those opportunities, because we're going to have little windows of opportunities, and we got to make the best of it when we do. I want to talk
0: about the windows of opportunities we have and what we do with them, because at, at root, this these verses are about apologetics. And I did say something yesterday that some people would probably that some people might take, uh, you know, might uh, disagree with Jeremiah, and 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 that's that. um, I think that that when Peter's talking about being ready to give a defense for the you know to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you, that we need to ready our minds with truth, and and I made the point that. I talked about having your minds ready for action, but then the other verse that that he mentions is, uh, um, uh, where's the part? There's the I'm looking for it. To proclaim hope. Well, yeah, um, proclaim the praises. But there's also I was looking for the. Oh, I think I actually talked about it in the third point, but the idea that it has to be on something other than. Uh, that it has to be on truth it has to rest on truth right that you you can't um oh, that's what it is you can't silence ignorance with 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 just experience yeah mm-hmm. and I talked about yeah, that's um, good. and I talked about yesterday how my experience with Jesus is going to be different than your experience coming to Jesus and so I can't use experience as a standard by which to measure whether or not y- y- you know your, your relationship is where it needs to be. There needs to be some other thing that's more objective, and, and truth is objective. We live in a, in, a, in a culture, though, that pushes back against that mindset and is elevating experience to the level of objectivity, or not objectivity, but certainly to, to where experience becomes this arbiter of truth, right? And, and I know that there's probably some people who would disagree with me on this because I think that there are some who say, no, experience matters. And there are some apologists who are, you know, for lack of a better term, experiential apologists, right? They, they say that, that a good apologetic is just your experience, your testimony. Um, wh- what do you think? I mean, is it a mix there, Jeremiah? Do we need to, do, do we need to have more objectivity in what we're saying? Or because our culture is more about storytelling and more about experiences right now, do we need to move our apologetic to more of a post-postmodern approach? This idea that we, we spend more time on experiences. I mean, someone as uh, you know, this isn't this isn't this isn't something that um, uh, is 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 unique to us. Soren Kierkegaard, who I'm sure you've heard of before. Kierkegaard it, it had the same issue. And he basically said that, that it's experience, and it, it, it's an experience. Until you experience it, you can't understand it. And so um, the, the whole idea is, is it we need to elevate experience. But where 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 is the balance here? I mean, it might be a personal preference, but I'm just curious what you think. Um, believe
2: it or not, I'm actually pretty passionate about this um, because You got to understand the era by which I grew up, like my youth pastors and the popular speakers, uh, like a youth camp,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: were all what I would say experience driven, illustration driven, and story driven. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work for me. I remember like being. I would. I remember going to youth camp and everyone around me was like crying, and they'd have like this out of body like right. <laughs> really, what I thought was passionate experience, and right. I would see it and be like, "Well, I'm not experiencing that, so obviously this isn't for me, or it's not working, or, yeah, whatever. yeah." But then I also remember thinking, "Dude, I'm gonna go to school with this girl next week, and." She's, nothing's going to be different. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. like she does this, or the, there's the, the girl mm. that you know is going to rededicate her life every year. <laughs> you just know it's going to be like day two or three of camp. Right. Like, I, I'm, I'm saying girls. Guys do it too, but we're less like. Like expressive, no, expressive. Right. About yeah. Girls. Yeah. girls go down with a
0: cadre of her, of their friends. Yeah. They're all crying together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just went through a breakup or something too, right? And I think, <laughs> and, 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 and so they're all kind of coming around her, and and she's ready to rededicate her life. Yeah. No, I, I I get what you're saying.
2: And I remember, I think God used those experiences for me growing up because I hadn't surrendered to ministry yet. But I think He used those as like, hey, I want you to be different. I want you to. And and really, that kind of speaker has kind of gone by the wayside because people started realizing it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I can name names uh, uh, of people who, like, their whole sermon was just one long illustration. And the thing with experience is, and I know this because I'm a preacher and I'm a teacher, and I've got to be careful. You can say whatever you want with an experience. You can say whatever you want with a story. Mm -hmm. You could say anything. I can make you believe, based on my experience, whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. Anything. It's easy. It's a cop-out method for truth. And so what we kind of promote now, and I know I'm I'm going about this a really long ways, but what we promote now, or what I promote, is that you interpret your experiences through the truth, Mm -hmm. not the other way around.
0: Yeah, I like that. We
2: used to... Like, you're, you're interpreting when you're in those out-of-body or, like, you know, the the goosebumps that people used to talk about. Right, and and right. those are still, I think that's still, like, a thing in some ways. And your experiences and your emotions do play into who you are as a human. Like, in the, made in the image of God. I do believe all of that. Like, those things are important to who you are. I, I do believe that. But to interpret the truth in light of your experiences is wrong is, is backwards and yeah. so basically you're using the experience as the lens by which i interpret the bible i interpret truth um that's backwards it, it's messed up and so and this is one of the reasons i kind of push back against sharing your testimony with like strangers and stuff like as a means to evangelism um, is because I could tell my story. First off, I could just lie, right? And there's nothing you could do about it if I lied. There's mm-hmm. there's no way to verify. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might can ask some of my friends growing up or whatever. So there's that, and I think there was a lot. In fact, there were people who got caught lying, especially a lot of like uh, Middle Eastern preachers back in that time
0: they got caught
2: lying or later admitted yes I was lying that's not how my story went Mm -hmm. and so again like don't interpret through the story interpret it through the truth interpret their story through the truth Mm -hmm. well that's tough when you're talking about someone who's not a believer yet Right, they're not a believer and so my personal conviction is that we lead them to the truth so that they can begin interpreting their experiences. Mm -hmm. Because if you just lead them to try to interpret their experiences for them, they're like, oh, you, you weren't there. You didn't experience it. Because literally you can. I really believe that. I could say whatever I want with my experience or with the story, which is why, and this is another rabbit trail, I love the parables. Because Jesus... When you're telling a story that actually happened in history, you have to, if you're Jesus and you can't lie, you have to use the actual characters and what the actual characters said. Mm -hmm. Right? That's how you tell history. That's how you tell stories. Right. But Jesus tells stories and he uses the characters he wants. He creates the characters Mm -hmm. and he... uh, he allows the characters to say what they want. And that's why it's so powerful when you get to stories like the the Good Samaritan, for instance. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't have to use a Samaritan for that story. Mm. He chose to use a Samaritan for that story. Right. He could have used a story, right? And I know I'm like rabbit trailing. No, no, um, this is good. <laughs> but but uh, so those stories like... You wanna you wanna understand what is Jesus trying to convey because he got to choose the characters in the story. When you look at like Zacchaeus, that's a true story that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So like he's limited by what actually happened. So it's just a, a means of interpreting scripture, but always not don't interpret the the scriptures in light of your experience, but interpret this experience in light of the scriptures.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's one thing that kind of separates Christianity from maybe other world religions. So we would we experience Jesus the way we do because it is he is true. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. Mm-hmm. And because of that truth, we experience him. Well, in other world religions, it's based on somebody had an experience and from this particular experience, goes out the truth, their tr- truth, if you will. Right. So, like, you know, you have a lot of people who were isolated, isolated. They were like the only ones there, and then they say, "Well, we had, I had this vision, or I had this uh, revelation, mm-hmm. something like that." And then they go out and you know make a religion out of it. Well, Christianity seems to be quite the opposite. With the truth from Jesus, so I kind of wanted to throw that kind yeah. of throw that out there. Yeah, yeah.
0: I um I, I think back to a very specific uh, instance in my own life, and I remember um, I used uh, I grew up uh, and Jeff will understand this. I grew up in a very Appalachian kind of church atmosphere, and one of the churches I was a member of was. Nine to Babycostal, and there was a lot of there was sort of that charismatic character to our church. And um, I remember I would get up to sing, and I sung in church a lot. And there will be times where I would get up to sing, and um, the 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 musculature around and the the, the nerve endings in my face would go numb, right. It was this moment where I, I like my nose would feel numb and like my mouth would feel numb. And I interpreted that in that moment as this is the Holy Spirit, right? This is the Holy Spirit moving, and and this is clearly a spiritual time. And it's possible that, that, that certainly the Spirit was present, right? But that got real confusing for me when Later, uh, like close to my senior year of high school, I was standing in front of a crowd of people, uh, had an opportunity to sing, and I was singing something completely secular at the time, and had that that same thing happen again. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything spiritual here. Why is the Holy Spirit present, right? And so, but I use that as an example because... Probably what was happening is it's a nerve, it's a nervous thing, right? It's it's a nerve thing or an anxiety thing or or just a um some a physiological response to kind of thing, a physiological right? response yeah. to something that's happening, yeah. but it's very easy for us to interpret those tingles, right? Literally tingles. I'm yeah. talking like my the musculature, my like like it's almost like a if your hand fell asleep, my, my, mm-hmm. my the muscles in my face would fall asleep. Doesn't happen now, by the way, um, but but. I, it was easy for me to interpret that as, as spiritual, as something like, okay, the presence of the spirit is here um, until, it, until it manifests itself somewhere else. And right. it's like, wait, this isn't, is this spirit? And so, to, to your point, it's very easy. If I, if I was going to interpret truth in line of my experience, I'd be like, "Well, I must be. I must have been doing something spiritual there too. I just didn't realize it." Mm-hmm. Or the Holy Spirit's using me in this moment, yeah. even though I'm singing something like "Unchained Melody" or something, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. something. About, oh, it's definitely a spiritual. Song. Right, that's a very spiritual <laughs> song. <laughs> you know, like, but, but, um, you know, yeah, that 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 the spirit's here too, but rather. Um, it, it, like you said, it's better to interpret those things, the, the experiences through the truth. And then by doing that, I look and go, okay, well, maybe that's not, maybe that experience is not exactly what I thought it was because maybe that's not the way the Spirit manifests itself. I, I just use that as an example, that, um, you know, because that happened to me. It's, well,
3: and, and the thing is, is that uh, everybody's different. And so when they come to Christ, uh, we really don't know what's going on in their heart and life. And some people, it is a very emotional thing. For other people, it's just a matter of fact. Yeah, I believe, and I'm following him now. Mm-hmm. So you can't really uh, say that that you have to you have to feel this certain way. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't have tears or you know all the stuff people would like is try to try to impose on on your belief how you came to believe. Then um, that would be wrong. The main thing is you came to believe, and you believe, um, whether you were emotional or ecstatic or happy or uh, you know, or just it was just something that you knew that you were supposed to do. I mean, yeah, those are all valid ways of coming to Christ. Yeah, um, if not, then we'd all really would have to be jailers and waiting for an earthquake for us to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the scriptures, different people come to faith in different ways. And they're all valid yeah and so um, our thing is not to interpret uh, how people come or or, uh, but 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 to to give them the way that they can come to Christ and then allow that to happen
0: yeah you know I'll I'll point to your testimony so your testimony is is, is, you share at, at funerals and stuff is 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 a good example because um, you're not saying that everybody should, should experiences Jesus in the same way. Mm-hmm. This is how this is how I came to it, but more importantly, you, you you always point back to the truth. It's it was it was Hebrews. It was reading yes. through Hebrews yes. and remembering the, the 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 that that sinner's prayer and the gospel that had been shared with you, that's what changed you. Yes. Not the experience itself. Well, and
3: seeing Larry living this verse out. Mm-hmm. The hope that was in him, like you know, why are you why are you acting like that, man? Right. You know, right. seeing his faith and all that was really he had a big impact that kind of moved me in that direction to coming back to God and finding faith and becoming right. a Christian, but a but real
0: believing Christian. Having said that, I will say that your story is a compelling platter on which to serve that truth. Yeah. And, and I think I think there's nothing wrong with using stories and experiences. To convey truth as long as, like you said, we're not using the experience itself as, as truth or as yeah. a substitute for truth. Well,
3: and I make sure I don't try to make it an emotional appeal... Like I've been to funerals where they did have altar calls where they brought up people and kept you know yeah. had them yeah, come get yeah. saved. I mean, because that's it a horrible is By a, the
0: way, from a pastor, from a, yeah. just a strictly pastoral. <laughs> way, that's a horrible time to do yeah. that. I mean, because everybody's already emotional. Right, way, and so and so, so not, I try to be clear enough just to music say. Music in the background. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so right. I, I try to
3: make it, your, it so that I say this is how what got my thinking about this and so I, I hope I leave it so that if they really did make some kind of real decision or mm-hmm. they're going to tell somebody right? which is really the very next step that for all of us really in our faith journey, is to tell somebody that, hey, I'm a believer now, whether it was your mama or your grandma or, or your best friend. We,
0: I know we've gone long here, and, and but I don't mind because this is my last one. So <laughs> <it's wrong. laughs> I'm going to go anyway. But I do have a question, of, a follow-up question on that. Mm-hmm. The many, many funerals you've preached, and, I, and I, I wouldn't even begin to try to number those. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had, like, how many times has it, has it occurred where someone's come up to you afterwards and said, I, I actually did pray during that time. Uh probably about
3: a couple dozen. Wow, really? Yeah. That's and, more that's and, more than I would have thought. Yeah. Like just being honest. One one clear one, you know, was uh um Candace Candace's husband, mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and when his brother died, and you know, he came to my office and everything, and mm-hmm. you know, and then he got saved and baptized, and then she she came to faith too. You know, mm-hmm. and they had the loss of their baby and all that. So, right, right. So it is valid. There are some people. Yeah, there's been a lot of people that would would uh, email me or text me or call me or tell me. Or I've had people where um, they've called me and told me that their cousin or whatever was at a funeral, but then they went back to West Virginia where they're from and they told everybody they became a Christian. And they got so so it has happened about, that I know of for about about. About a couple dozen times. Wow,
0: that's that, that's that's actually that's actually more than I would have I would have actually thought because um, that I but, could
3: actually verify and somebody actually said right, that right. they did that. Right. I mean, they're, they're, look, they're, and only they're, one, There are those.
0: are going to be those that, yeah. that make that decision, never even tell anybody. I don't mm-hmm. even tell you.
3: And you know, the thing is, is you, we have that window of opportunity, especially when you're a youth minister. You know, youth come and go, people come and go in the church. They get maybe they make a profession or something. And you may not hear from them again for ten or fifteen years, and right. then, then you have that same opportunity to come back and say, "Okay, you know, you made a profession. Then, you know, this is going on in your life. Was that real?" Um, so, so people will come back into your life because I know both y'all are going to pastorates and everything. Mm-hmm. Is um, take advantage of that opportunity when it comes your way, but. Uh, ne- you never know when somebody's going to come back to your door. Right. And right. they're going to say, hey, man, I, I need you. Right. Um, you know, maybe it was a premarital thing, and now they're breaking up, and they their, their life's a wreck, and they're coming back and saying, I, I I don't know what to do. Right. So so those times are going to come, and so you just have to be ready. Yep. Yeah. And uh, maybe yeah. you didn't lead them to Christ then, but maybe you will later. Yeah. Or maybe you did lead them to Christ, and then they become a full member, and everything's great. Or maybe they, you know, move away, and you find out later on, yeah, they're part of a church somewhere else and all yeah. But you, you just don't give up on them, but just know that you just have that window of opportunity to, to try to have an impact in their life in one way or another. Right. So. Well,
0: look, like I said, we, we went ex- extra long this time. It's it, We've gone 12 minutes over that hour, so... but. Um, but I've enjoyed the discussion. We didn't get to the third point of this message. <laughs> but it's well, we okay. Sk- we we, ta- well, it's we okay. tapped on it a little bit. We like, did. We did touch right? on it. But yeah. it's okay because um, we we talked about uh, we, we use Monday main point to do the thing that I love to use Monday main point to do, which is to talk about some of the areas that I couldn't, I either couldn't or didn't talk about during the message. Um, you know, and 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 also just sort of the practical ways in which the, these these verses play out in our lives. It's what we want to use this podcast for well this is my last uh this will be my last podcast with you for a while anyway maybe I'll come back and do a guest appearance or something on occasion or something but um uh so thank you for listening to our podcast I know Jeremiah and Blake and Jeff will keep this going and uh, uh you'll still get to hear from them uh but it's been a pleasure to be the host of the podcast and to uh to see the podcast uh, um sort of become what it is and that's been a lot of fun. And so, thank you. Thank you for being a listener to the podcast. And, uh, of course, if you have questions, uh, we always tell you, you can call us or email us at rosbcpastors at gmail.com. That still works, so you can do that. And we'll be glad to address any comments or concerns or questions you have. So. I don't know what you're you're gonna preach on. Uh, uh, the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel. Yeah, you're gonna talk about Jacob and uh, Jacob getting his hip dislocated. Yeah, because my question was, you know, was, what Peniel means? It means yeah, the face of face
3: God. Face of God. Yeah. Yeah. So he named it after the after the fact. So. That's right. Okay. Yes, he did. Uh, but yeah, so my whole I've thing seen was God's face. Why? I mean, why did He make him limp? You know? Yeah. And he still had done the same thing without making him limp, and so that's kind of a question i'm going to try to answer interesting yeah. interesting well I, I
0: i love i love that story and i I've, I've preached on that story before too so um i i love i love the the the, the things that are going on in that so I, I look forward to hearing that one all right well hopefully you'll be here to hear that in person and uh we will catch you on the next one so again thanks for listening and have a great week ahead of you so long